Well, good morning and uh, welcome this part of the service today. <clears throat> this, to be honest, this past week I was one of those that were in, in the trough. And discouraged and just on the verge of giving up. Um, I was just flat worn out, weary, and then discouraged. Um, I don't know how many of you know, but I have an aunt, my mom's oldest sister, that disappeared. No, we, nobody knows what happened with her. And uh, kind of goes with the story today, with the message today, I guess I should say. Um, she had been married, had three children. If I recall right, they were divorced. She dropped the children off to grandma and to babysit and never came back. And to this day, nobody knows what happened. I'm assuming she's not alive anymore. And I'm ashamed to say, but it's the truth, that Satan had flooded my mind with those things. And you know, when I start thinking things, I better speak them, because they stay. So that's what I came home that day, told Lowell I, I just feel like doing what she did, just disappear. As we'll find out today, if you want to destroy your marriage or any relationship, be selfish. Because that's where I was, and I confess that. Thoughts like that are selfish. It's not thinking of anyone else but myself. I just want to tell you that, that I'm not standing in front of you, this perfect man that does everything right, but I am perfect and complete in Jesus Christ. And though this is on marriage, even the younger people and the children, we can still apply it even to relationships, friends, family relationship. Um, and as we continue, this, um, we're looking at Matthew 5, 27 to 32 in the Sermon on the Mount. I wasn't looking forward to this section. It was just, well, how... I just didn't know where to go with it. 
And one other thing that I had complained about last week was, I know and I believe God is good and His goodness. But I said, I definitely don't feel it. And, uh, but God is good. He came through. Even through the, sometimes it seems that way. The week before it's my turn for the message. I mean, I just get hammered with discouragement or whatever it is. And, uh, but praise the Lord. Come Friday, the Lord always comes through. And uh, he will never leave us nor forsake us. Get rid of Grandpa and Grandpa. You have heard that it was said of those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, raising the bar, that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. I emphasized her. You'll find out a little bit. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. As I was coming to this, it's just, Lord, here's hell again. I think the last two messages I had shared a little on hell, and it's just, here it is again. Um, but hell is real. We need to face it. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Furthermore, it has been said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality or um, King James says fornication, but that's really not the right word. I'll explain here later causes her to commit adultery and whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery because you can't if you're married you can't commit fornication it's adultery so fornication is not the right word in there the word that's used is pornea and it's harlotry including adultery and incest is what the meaning is Um, just to make a clarification there Um, you see God, I am sorry, I am going on. God does not ruin, want to ruin our um, love life. See, he wants to bless it. And sexuality is good. It's a good gift from, con- from sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself, trying to rust my mouth. It's... Um, It's a good gift from God. God designed it. However, like all things, it's only good within its proper context. The way God designed it. See, according to God's word, the only proper context of sexual activity is within marriage covenant between a husband and a wife. You see, sex within a marriage is like a fireplace. like a fire in a fireplace, sorry. If you keep it in the fireplace, it keeps the home safe and warm. But if you let that fire out of the fireplace, it causes untold damage 
to everyone in its path. Sex within a marriage is like a fire in the fireplace. Keep it in the fireplace in its right context, and it keeps the homes safe and warm. Let it out of the fireplace, and it causes untold damage to everyone in its path. Okay, so now let's backtrack and start over. And first verse, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. I found it interesting on what their, their teaching was back then on adultery. The common teaching of the day was that you could only commit adultery against the husband. That's why I emphasized her. Jesus was talking and said, you have committed adultery against her in your heart. So if a woman cheated on her husband, she was committing adultery against him. But if a man cheated on his wife with another man's wife, he was not committing adultery against his wife, but against the other woman's husband. That's how they believed. And if he cheated on his wife with an unmarried woman, then he wasn't committing adultery at all because there was no other married man involved. That's how twisted they were. It was a horrible double standard. It twisted the original meaning of the command to give the husband a loophole so he could be unfaithful to his wife and still say that he had not committed adultery. And adultery is technically any sexual immorality that violates the marriage covenant, whether the wife commits adultery against the husband or the husband commits adultery against the wife. It's both ways. So then Jesus goes on to the root of the problem. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So the marriage destroyer is selfishness. We're being selfish. And it can be displayed through the lust, but it can also be displayed in various different ways. If we're selfish in a marriage, it just doesn't work. And it's the condition of the heart. Let's always remember it's the condition of our heart where it's wrong. Peter said, they they have a heart trained in covetous practices and are accursed children. Jesus also taught, for out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, and blasphemies. And here's another. Lust seeks to master and conquer, while love seeks to serve. May I say, that's why I, I encourage not command, but I encourage that the young people, when they enter a relationship, that it's a hands-off relationship. Where you're focusing on how can I serve? How can I learn to serve you? How can I learn to care? Sometimes we're so involved in our emotions that we don't even know the person before we're married. Been there, done that. Not saying that we didn't have a good marriage. Don't, don't think that. Um, 
But it's just, there's a lot of things about my wife that I didn't know. I didn't take time to see how I can serve her. I didn't understand that. That's true love. When we're all focused on the body, that's lust. It's not love. So learn how to selflessly serve the other. Out of our deep, sincere love, we serve, we care for, we respect the other person's body. Um, yeah. Lust is wrong. And you're no longer loving the other person, you're using them. And as I was meditating on some of these thoughts, I was jolted with a thought that I had been teaching out of balance. Okay? I have hammered us fathers already. You know, to love your children, bless them, you know, learn what their love language is so you're, you're speaking in their language. And those are all true. Okay? That's all true and that's all good. But I never mentioned how, in return, how the children should love and learn how to love their parents and how to bless their parents and how to respect them. I had it all one-sided. And what, that, what, I, what I sense the Spirit telling me is, Laverne, you are teaching the children to be a selfish generation. It's all about me. It's the entitlement mentality. Because it's all coming, we're not teaching them how they need to love back. The parents, us parents need the love of our children and the respect and the blessing of our children. We need to love as a family, as a church family. We need to learn and know what each other's love language is. Is it an act of service? Is it physical touch? Quality time, receiving gifts. I don't have them down. This, this was a spirit track. But anyway, there's five of them. But um, then if, if we're not speaking in their language, they're not understanding it. Just if I would stand here and I would start speaking French, you wouldn't understand it unless you know French. That's the same way with the love language. See, I'm... Um, Maybe in one way a little touchy-feely, but it's also words of affirmation. That's another one. Um, and then that's what I tend to love with. But Luella's is more receiving gifts. And if I continue to love her and love her and love her just with affection and words of affirmation, she's dry. I'm not speaking. She doesn't understand it. Does that make sense? I'm speaking French to her. And that's the same way with here at church. If we're missing your heart, we're not speaking in the right love language. We need to understand, that's why it's so crucial when we're in a relationship together that we learn to speak each other's love language. That's where it will flourish and we're blessed in that relationship.
Whew, I didn't have time for that. But Lord, you know. Malachi had it in a balance. It's not just turning the hearts of the fathers to the children, but also the hearts of the children to the fathers. It's love is always reciprocating. Love that just goes out is dead. Love that's just coming in is dead. Love isn't love until you give it away. It's a flowing thing. It just continually flows. Love is never one-sided. The true love. The love that is alive. Okay, now let's go into what our response is. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Do you think that would help? Do you think if I would gouge out my right eye, I would no, no longer sin? I still have my left eye that I can do the same sin with. But he's giving us a little word picture here. God doesn't want us to cut off body parts. Take extreme measures to get rid of sin. You amputate the problem. James had that message. I'm thinking that was his title. Amputate the problem. Jesus is just using this dramatic word picture to make a point. You must deal drastically with sin. You see, the problem is not your eye or your hand, it's your heart. So whatever the cause, whether it's the movies we watch, the friends we hang out with, the places we work, a boyfriend or a girlfriend, or whatever it may be, if it causes us to sin, God instructs us to get rid of it. John Owen said it this way, be killing sin or it will be killing you. We need to guard ourselves against anything that would turn our heart from Jesus. Bonhoeffer wrote, no sacrifice is too great if it enables us to conquer a lust which cuts us off from Jesus. So what makes it so hard to get rid of sin? Why is that so hard? I've discovered something. Sin is fun. You may be surprised to hear me say that, but sin is fun. If sin wouldn't be fun, why would we do it? And it gives us a temporary satisfaction. That's why it's so hard to get rid of it. It pleases us for the very moment. It gives us a high, a self-high. That's why it's so hard, because we love that feeling. I mean, when we're not feeling very good about ourselves, it feels so good to be on that pity pot and pity myself. At least somebody's pitying myself. So why do we need to get so radical about sin. According to scripture, 
the sinner will be cast into hell. That's why it's so important. If you have time sometime, read Colossians 3. I'm going to skip that. There's one verse. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. And he, if you then were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. Read the Colossians. I mean all of Colossians. I love Colossians. It's, it's so simple. It's self-explanatory. It's not this mystery. Sometimes I guess, may I say, I get kind of tired of, depending on what I'm reading, um, Paul can do real good with just being simple. Then next you have to be a detective and figure out the mystery. Um, but I enjoy when it's just, when I'm feeling that I really need something, many times I'll go to Colossians. It's just one of those that just, um, good instruction. It's good instruction. So now we go on to the, to the next section on divorce. But I say to you that whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. You see, adultery and divorce are connected. Adultery can lead to divorce. And as Jesus teaches us, divorce leads to adultery. And see, if, uh, if that happens in our marriage, that our spouse is unfaithful. There was this one preacher sharing that his wife was unfaithful, had an affair, and he was going, he was going, went to that scripture and he was going to divorce her. But God spoke to him and showed him how selfish that is. You know, if we can just understand how deprived and how evil that we are without Jesus Christ. And what all we have been forgiven of, can we not forgive? I think it's sometimes we're missing that point. We grow up and are so good in our own eyes. We've never really done anything that bad. And we fail to see that our condition without Jesus Christ is just as bad as the murderer. I nailed Jesus to the cross in my lostness. And God has never approved divorce. The Pharisees thought he had. And he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate or put asunder. They said to him, the Pharisees, Why then did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce and to put her away? He said to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. Marriage, 
Sorry. We should always work towards reconciliation. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peacefully with all men. That works. Good in a marriage, in a home, and in the church. Peacemakers. Marriage is a lifelong commitment. So, I want to give you a couple points, not to leave you hanging here. Guard your heart. Proverbs. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Sin starts in the heart and works its way outward. So how do you guard your heart? David said, how can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. Knowing and reading God's word is essential in guarding your heart. And this may surprise you. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I have already encouraged some people to get off of your habit of just reading every morning. Take time and ask the Spirit, what do you want me to do? There are some mornings I do not read. I'm going to be honest with you. Because I sense God, it is saying I need to pray. Sometimes it's just be still. Just be quiet once, Laverne. That's what I sense in the morning. And it's okay, Lord. What do you have to speak to me? And some of those mornings, I am more refreshed and empowered for the day than when I do my ritual and sit down and just read. I do a lot of reading. Don't get me wrong, okay? I'm not saying that we shouldn't read. But if it's just a ritual and, okay, I've done my thing, and it has done nothing for you that day, what good was it? Did we read it to really gain something from the Lord? If you do read every morning, make sure. Pray before it, just as if you're going to sit down and have a meal. Pray for that spiritual food that you're about to take, that God would bless it to you, that it will change it, that, that you could bring honor and glory with this spiritual food that you've received now. This ritual, just sitting down, and I've done my thing, it just agles me. Because we're so in a groove that it's hard to get them out. I see it as a lukewarmness. Where is the Spirit? Am I following the Spirit? What does He want of me today? Sometimes we just need to listen because we have no clue what I have to face that day. Sometimes it's just being still before the Lord and just hearing from Him. He does speak if we listen. But we need to listen. If we're doing all the talking and all the reading and all this, and I've heard other people even encourage their children, read, 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 regardless, you know, what it is, just all oh, they need to be reading. Don't put trash in front of your eyes. Let's encourage our children to read good things. That's building them up. 
Because what we feed grows. Let's make sure we're not feeding them trash. Where was I? Here we go. Okay, next is watch your eyes. I guess I should have saved that for this. Watch your eyes. Job said, I have made a covenant with my eyes when they should... Why then should I look upon a young woman? Men, have you made that covenant with your eyes? Or ladies, have you made that covenant with your eyes that you're not going to look at another man? That would mean in a lustful way. I mean, I can, I look, I can look at these ladies and not be lusting. There's nothing wrong with that. David also said, I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall depart from me. I will not, no wickedness. That's where there's more. What are we setting before our eyes? The children to read. For what I read. We should think of this before we read a book, watch a movie, Go on the computer, or especially when we're on our phone. It's actually maybe good if we would take this verse. I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. Just put that on your home screen. So when you open your phone, I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. It would be a good reminder for us. Don't go there. Just remind us. That's how we overcome. Is by the, um, let's go in his word and ask Jesus to help us. What I am looking at, does it honor God? Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Because there is a Father up above watching over us in love. I don't like the term watching down on us in love. He's not there with a hammer. He's watching over us in love. He sees everything. Last is honor your marriage. Malachi said, for the Lord God of Israel says that he hates divorce. For if it covers one's, gar- for it covers one's garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. Therefore, take heed to your spirit that you do not deal treacherously. <coughs> Honor your marriage vows. Love when you don't feel like loving. Forgive when you don't feel like forgiving. May I add even, Give when you don't feel like giving. Always look, work towards reconciliation. See, divorce is not an option. God hates divorce. It's not an option. And let's not divorce our friendships because of an offense. Now, if there's something you have to leave your friends because of sin that's going on or whatever, yes. But when there's not that and you're just leaving selfishly, don't leave your friends. Don't divorce your friends. We need each other. 
Let's pray. Our kind Heavenly Father, we, we just thank you how you've brought us together. Thank you for this family, Lord, here at Berea. Father, enable us to love and care for each other. Where there's strife, may there be reconciliation. Where there's hurts, may there be healing. Father, we also continue to pray for those with, um, would you say, ailing bodies or the sick people or the um, bodies that aren't functioning correctly. Lord, I pray for healing on each one. Perform your miracle, Lord. But whatever brings you the most honor and glory, Lord, that is what we want. May your name be lifted up by this family. Lord, I pray for all the marriages here that, there would, that they would be as one. That they're not at odds with each other, but that they're one, complete in you. So that that oneness blooms and blossoms in this congregation. So Lord, bless each marriage here. Continue to work your wonders in our lives. May we, may we be found faithful to the very end, Lord. May each of us arrive home safe. Oh, to be with you in glory. Where there's joy unspeakable. Oh, Lord, we, we long and yearn for that day. where we can actually see your face. Oh, what a day that will be. So help us, Lord, not to get discouraged, but to remain faithful and to continue to live in and by your love. We pray in Jesus' name.